You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're hanging out After Hours with Matt Anderson, presented by Inside the Gamecocks. Good evening, everybody, and welcome into the Late Night Gamecock Show. I'm your host. My name is Matt Anderson, and I am your source for all things Gamecock After Dark. So I want to thank you for joining me tonight. Uh, this is episode two of the show, and I am recording this on Super Regional Eve. I'm very excited for tomorrow to get here. I, I kind of feel like a kid on, on Christmas Eve just waiting for Santa to come tomorrow because it's been a long time since the Gamecocks were in a Super Regional it's been a long time since the Gamecocks had a team that top to bottom, I really do feel like they can compete. They can get back to Omaha. You know, I was I was listening to Mark Kingston talk the other day on um, JC, JB, and, and Phil's show, and I think he's 100% right when you talk about Florida versus South Carolina and the Super Regional. Both of these teams are good enough to not only get to Omaha, but also win the whole thing, especially when South Carolina's full strength. And, and we're going to talk a lot about that later tonight. But before I get into the nitty gritty of the show tonight, I really just want to send out a huge thank you. Um, thank you so much to everybody that listened to episode one. Um, I had so many people reach out to me that were excited about the show. were excited about this opportunity for me. Um, friends that have been around Gamecock Athletics for a long time. Friends that... You know, aren't even the biggest Gamecock fans, but but know me and they and they know my passion for Gamecock sports. So I was so excited to get all those kind words. Um, thank you for the text, the phone calls, everybody on the Big Spur message board. Um, I just want you to know that it, it meant the world to me to have your support. And you know, as we continue rolling through, you know, this podcast, but also all podcasts and eventually YouTube in the future, I just want to remind everybody that. You know, I'm here for you. You know, I might be the host of this show, but but this is a show for Gamecocks. And this is a show for Gamecock fans. It does not matter what sport it is. You know, if you have something you want to talk about, please let me know. Um, I'm always excited to get questions. Um, I will answer every question to the, to the best of my ability. If I don't know the answer right off the cuff, you know, I promise you that I will get I will get the answer for you. Um, speaking of that, I just want to let everyone know that, you know, you can reach me directly, um, two ways right now. The first way is you can send me an email at late night show at gmail.com. Again, that is late night show at gmail.com. Or if you're a member of the big spur, um, you can find me I'm on the message board, a, a good amount of the day, you know, checking in, seeing, seeing the latest news and, and, you know, reaching out to, to all the posters there and talking about Gamecocks with them, you know, outside of the show. But um, you can find me on the Big Spur, and my username is pretty pretty fitting. My my username is Matt Anderson. So <laughs> you can find me. I'm, I'm there. You can send me direct messages. You know, you can start a thread asking me something specifically. You can tag me in, in, in an existing thread. And, you know, I'll be there just as soon as I can, and I'll, I'll be there to communicate, talk with you guys, and, and you know, share opinions. But with all of that said, let's get on to tonight's show. So, guys, this show tonight is going to be all about the Super Regional. Uh, there's a big recruiting weekend coming up in, for Gamecock football, and I promise that next week we will recap everything that happened. I'm hoping for a few welcome homes this weekend. I, I have a good feeling about a number of kids, and I don't know if it'll actually pop this weekend, but I do think that there are... There are recruits that will be on campus this week that will eventually be Gamecocks. And with that being said, you know, also think about it. You know, I think we're going to have some welcome homes for sure, but I also think that um, you know July is going to be the big, big month. You know, you have the June twenty third official visit weekend. There's going to be a host of big names there. There's going to be some anticipation to make sure that they they get their spot in the Gamecock recruiting class this year. So. We'll talk about all that next week. We'll definitely have a lot of content leading up to the big recruiting weekend. And um, I look forward to having that conversation with you then. But as I mentioned, we're going to talk all about the Super Regional. Um, That is the news in Gamecock world right now. So I think that's where we should focus. Really quick, let's just talk about 
um, you know, what, what, what we're going to see happen this weekend. We know that for the Gamecocks, the road to Omaha goes through Gainesville, Florida. The series will take place this weekend. It's a best two out of three format. Games will begin tomorrow, Friday, June 9th. And if necessary, they will run through Sunday, June 11th. Uh, we do have the probable starting pitchers for for the Gamecocks and the Gators. Um, on Friday night, we're going to expect to see Brandon Sprout. Sprout, Sprout. You guys know I am with the last names and pronunciations. But he'll be out there for the Gators, and James Hicks will be the starting pitcher for the Gamecocks. On Saturday, you will see Hurston Waldrop for the Gators versus Jack Mahoney for the Gamecocks. And Sunday, if necessary, Jack Caglinone. Um, this guy is, is a phenomenal two-way player for the Gators, and I probably butchered his last name. Um, and we don't know who the Gamecock starter would be Sunday. It's um, to be determined. We know that Mark Kingston likes to keep a lot of this close to the vest, especially in big matchups like this. I did have a quick look ahead. I wanted to see what the weather was going to look like. And, guys, it's Florida. I lived in Florida for a little bit. I can tell you that Florida weather changes on a dime. But Friday, there is a 70% chance of rain. So I don't know if that rain's going to happen in the morning, the afternoon, or the evening. I hope that the Florida field will be in great condition, you know, regardless of when the rain comes. But, you know, be on the lookout for Friday. We'll, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that, and, and we'll, I'm sure that will be a point of conversation throughout the day on the Big Spur. Saturday, there's a 30% chance of rain. And then Sunday, if necessary, partly cloudy and no rain in the forecast. But like I said, that, that stuff can flip on a dime. Looking at this regional, you have South Carolina and Florida. South Carolina heading into the tournament was slotted as the 15th overall national seed, while Florida earned, in the committee's eyes, the number two overall national seed. But I will say, looking at the numbers, and guys, I'm a, I'm a very analytical person um, in my work life, in my sports life, you know, I do think analytics matter. I'm not the biggest baseball analytics guy. I know that the the math says to do this in certain situations the same way in the NFL, you know, and, and in college really too. You're seeing the coaches go forward on fourth down with certain downs and distance and you know where they're on the field. So I understand the analytics to that degree, but um when I when I look at a, a super regional matchup, I want to dig into the numbers. I want to see, you know, what Florida looks like. I want to see, you know, who their star players are. I want to, I already know the Gamecock stuff, but especially with Florida, you know, I've watched them a handful of times, but I've, I haven't dug into their numbers. And, and I did that for this episode. So you will see, and well, you will hear in this case, a lot of statistics tonight and, and we'll, we'll bring it all together at the end and we'll make our predictions and we'll, we'll kind of just feel our way through this regional, super regional, if you will. Um, you know, even though Florida is the number two overall national seed and the Gamecocks are the 15th overall national seed, I really do think at full strength, both of these teams are, are very competitive with one another. I, I, I wish that Noah Hall and, and Eli were, were out there to pitch, but you know, they do have the injuries and they're out for the season. So we're not going to see, we're not going to see Noah. We're not going to see Eli, but you know, outside of that, I think the numbers kind of match up here. So when we talk about the importance of this series, you know, this is to go to the mecca of college baseball. As Gamecocks, you know, we have been spoiled with Omaha. I think we've gone 12 times in our history, and we are dying to get back there. Florida, you know, lately has been there a few a few times. Um, not not recently though, and we'll look at that. We'll look at those numbers, and we'll look at, at that time frame when that happened a little bit later on. But when you look at the team performance, and that's where I really want to focus right now. You know, offensively, you know. Both these teams are are pretty similar. You know, South Carolina's batting, you know, 275 on the season. Florida is batting 295 on the season. Gamecocks have a 412 on base percentage. The Gators have a 396. Carolina is scoring 7.9 runs per game, averaging nine hits a game and drawing six walks a game. Uh, Florida, on the other hand, is scoring, you know, a shade over eight runs a game, averaging, you know, nine and a half hits a game but only drawing four and a half walks per game. So, you know, that's one of the things that if you've you've listened to anybody talk about this this series, you know, walks are a huge deal. If you go back and look at, you know, the earlier series where the Gamecocks swept, it was amazing how many more free bases the Gamecocks got than the Gators. So, you know, when you look at the, the batting average and you look at the runs per game, hits per game, you know, all of that kind of evens out, but... You know, Gamecocks are slugging 504 with 220 extra base hits on the year. 
Um, Florida slugging 549 with 258 extra base hits on the year. So I think a big key for this game is going to be the Gamecocks getting getting free free bases on the base path, getting getting runners out there. And I always say, and especially in postseason baseball, if if you can get runners on base without having to get a hit, um, more often than not, it will come back to bite you. So big key here is you know Gamecocks keeping keeping Florida swinging, you know keep them guessing. They're going to be trying to hit everything. Um, these guys do not back down. They're trying to knock the ball all over the ballpark. And the Gamecocks, on the other hand, play more of a balanced attack where they are trying to get on base by any means necessary. You know, Florida's attempted 81 steals on the season. You know, they're 81.4% on the success rate there, 66 of 81 on the year. The Gamecocks don't make a don't make a huge effort to steal bases. You know, they have 66 attempts on the year. They've stole 57 bases for, you know, actually a higher success rate than Florida has. But I think that you might see the Gamecocks kind of push the envelope here. I don't think that Florida is going to be expecting the Gamecocks to be very active on the base path when the ball is in the pitcher's hand and delivering it to the catcher. So we'll see what happens there. But my hunch is the Gamecocks are going to be pretty aggressive on the base path, especially on the road. You know, when you're when you're the home team, you don't have to be that aggressive because your fans are going to pick you up. You're going to have opportunities to to rattle the pitcher, to rattle the infielders for the opposing team, and and, and errors happen. But I think on the road, you're going to see the Gamecocks be pretty aggressive here on the base paths. Looking overall at the pitching statistics in this one, Gamecocks have a team ERA of 4.17, give up eight hits a game. They give about four free passes between walks and bean batters a game. And they only give up 2.7 extra base hits per game. Opponents hit 245 against them. And the Gamecocks are averaging about nine and a half strikeouts per game. Florida is pretty eerily similar. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about this nonstop tonight, but there is not much of a difference between Florida and South Carolina, especially as these teams are are formulated right now. You know the, the guys that are playing. You know it, they, this is an evenly matched regional in my eyes. Uh, the Gators give up. Uh, they have a team ERA of four point six one. Give up seven and a half hits a game. You know, they do walk or bean 5.3 batters per game. So, you know, 1.3 more than the Gamecocks. That's why I keep going back to this. It's going to matter. Um, Florida gives up 2.6 extra base hits per game, and opponents are hitting 235 against them. I, I just want to stress that Florida is Florida. If you've watched Florida over the past couple of years, they always have power arms. They always have guys that, you know, sit in the high 90s, upper 90s, um, they got guys that can touch 100 miles per hour. They are going to try and overpower you. Um, when you have some Gamecock players that, that, that you know, I hate to quote Will Muschamp here, but you know, they stick their face in the fan and they like it. So, you know, Ethan Petrie is not going to be scared to send one over the, the right or left field wall. I mean, he's going to be trying to hit this ball. I mean, we still, have, we still haven't found the home run that Ethan hit. Um, last weekend, so there's an opportunity for Ethan to really get a hold of some this weekend if the, if the Gators, you know, pitch to him. Uh, looking at this, you know, the Gators do strike out their opponents 10, 10 plus times a game. So, you know, we're pretty close here, guys. You know, the pitching staff, the, the batting stats are all there. You know, even going down to fielding stats, South Carolina has a fielding percentage of 97-4, 974, 55 errors on the season. Uh, Florida has a fielding percentage of 977 and 51 errors during the season. You know, I think the biggest thing that we need to talk about when it comes to, you know, how do we how do we separate these two teams? Because if you were listening to me, everything I just said lines up to be evenly matched ball clubs. Yeah, superly evenly matched ball clubs. So you really have to nitpick to find find ways to separate this. I mean, in my mind, like I'll give my prediction later, but it's it's a pick 'em. Like it could be either or. But you know, recent performance trends. You know, let's look at you know where South Carolina enters this series. Gamecocks are forty two and nineteen. Florida is forty eight and fifteen. You know, South Carolina began the season as arguably the hottest team in the country. South Carolina swept Florida in late April. You know, they won each game in Founders Park. Three games, thirteen to three in seven innings, five to two and seven to five. So. Gamecocks were pretty comfortably in charge against the Gators at home. But, and this is the big but, after the series against Florida, you know, the Gamecocks had a 34-6 and record. They were prominently ranked in the top five of virtually every college baseball poll. 
But what happened next, I don't think anybody could have predicted. South Carolina got hit hard with the injury bug. You know, Gamecock spluttered down the stretch. I mean, I, I remember that there were some polls where Gamecocks were unranked in the final regular season poll. I, I know for a fact that happened at D1 baseball. You know, whether we can say that's right or wrong, you know, if, if it's me, and I'm just going to talk out loud here, the Gamecocks were not full strength. When you look at college basketball, and I understand college basketball is different than college baseball, but when you go to the selection committee time, you know, when you're talking about March Madness, teams get the benefit of the doubt when they have key players injured during a poor stretch of their season. And obviously, the NCAA selection committee valued the injuries that South Carolina suffered. So Gamecocks 15th, you know, in the, in the national seed, I mean, I'm fine with that. I think it was pretty fair. But if the Gamecocks didn't have those injuries, I don't think anybody here is doubting that the Gamecocks would have been, you know, a top five seed in the in the NCAA baseball tournament. Very likely not facing, you know, the number two overall national seed. So remember that when you're thinking about this game. Um, the Gamecocks were inconsistent, especially towards the end of the year, but that was a lot of injuries, y'all. And, you know, it's one of the reasons that I get the frustration in the fan base sometimes with Coach Kingston. But I don't see a single coach, a single coach in the country that could have managed that any better than Kingston did. I'm, I'm not being a homer. I'm not having my garnet, my garnet colored glasses on. But I think that, you know, some props and some credit have to be given to Coach Kingston, Coach Monty Lee, Coach Scott Wingo for keeping this team together. I mean, they had a plan and it, we got to see if they can execute on it now. I, I'm excited for this series, and I think that you know we're we're going to see the Gamecocks you know battle hard and, and potentially win this thing. So we talk about the Gamecocks' inconsistency. Well, Florida, on the other hand, has been consistent all season long. Uh, they've been steadfast in the top five of every major college baseball poll. The Gators won eight of their ten SEC series this year, and they're the model of consistency in the SEC this season. Since the calendar flipped to May, the Gators have won 15 out of 18 contests. The Gamecocks, largely due to injuries, we're going to keep talking about injuries, have won seven of the last 19 contests in the same amount of time. So we're talking since the calendar flipped to May, Gators are 15 and 18. Gamecocks are seven of 19. So Gamecocks have a slight lead in the all-time series history, winning 54 games to Florida's 51. Um, but the key stat here that I, I think is important is all-time Florida is 29-16 and 16 against the Gamecocks in Gainesville. In the last 10 games, though, you know, not in Gainesville, just overall, I, I, I didn't know this. I had to look it up. But in the last 10 games, the Gamecocks hold a 7-3 record against the Gators. Um, you know, obviously the Gamecocks swept Florida to Founders Park this year. Last season, the Gators took two out of three from the Gamecocks in Gainesville. Um, so last season the, in Gainesville, the Gators won 14-5, to 8-0, and then they lost to the Gamecocks 4-1. But another interesting fact I found here is dating back to 2013, the Gators have won 12 of 15 games against the Gamecocks in Gainesville. So the Gamecocks are going to have to get the Gainesville bugaboo off their back if they're going to come out victorious. I've seen a lot of chatter about you know, how likely is it to beat Florida five times in a season. Well, I'm just going to tell you right now, just throw that out the window. This is the Super Regionals. This isn't, you know, the SEC tournament where you might face Florida two times there if you somehow get on the other side of the bracket. You know, the, the whole thing. You can play teams multiple times in a year. I am not that concerned about the cumulative total wins against the against the Gators. I'm just more focused on getting to this weekend. So Gamecocks got to get the bugaboo of Gainesville off their back, but one of the things that I liked that I thought about this and it made me like the Gamecocks a little bit more in this super regional is this team isn't last year's South Carolina team with, with NIL, with transfer portal, with the transfer portal, this team has never faced the Gainesville bugaboos. You know, this isn't something where these kids feel like Gainesville is a pressure cooker for them. And especially with how loose the Gamecocks were in the dugout this past weekend, they're going to Gainesville with nothing to lose, and they are they are focused. I can tell you from speaking to folks around the program, these Gamecocks are excited. They are not worried. They're they, they've had a great week of practice. They have a great mentality going into Florida. So, 
I urge all Gamecocks to not think about the history in Gainesville, not think about, you know, how likely is it to beat a team five times in a year, but just focus on the micro level here. It's a two out of three series. And, you know, you got James Hicks on the mound Friday, Jack Mahoney on Saturday. We have good pitchers. We have good hitters. You know, Florida is going to give up some walks. They're going to give us free bases. We have to capitalize in those situations. And if we do, if we are any, if we play anything like we did last weekend, I think that you will see um, a very, very competitive series that either team can win. Um, I, quickly, I don't want to spend too much time on this. You know, if we if we want to tell the story of earlier this year and. You know, I, yeah, I just went on this big, you know, soliloquy of talking about don't worry about what's in the past. But the past does matter for scouting reports. So when we're talking about, you know, the games that happened in April between the Gators and the Gamecocks, those scouting reports are going to be there. You know, batters are going to remember what it was like to face off against Will Sanders. You know, they're not going to be they're not going to be blind to what Will Sanders can do. And it's a lot different watching Will Sanders pitch. And I'm just using Will Sanders as an example because he started he started the Friday night game in April. But it's a lot different scouting on a TV screen versus being in the batter's box. So let's talk about what happened in these games earlier in the year. Game one, Gamecocks won 13-3 in seven innings. Gamecocks started Will Sanders. He went six innings, gave up three hits, three runs, three walks, and had 10 strikeouts on 89 pitches. James James Hicks, who will be the starter tomorrow night, pitched one inning. He gave up one hit on 11 pitches. So the Gators have seen James Hicks and they have seen Will Sanders, but they're seeing them in different roles now, which is which is interesting to me. I mean, Will Sanders has been a Gator killer his entire career for the for the Gamecocks. So, I mean, if you want to talk about someone who has a mindset advantage over the Florida Gators, Will Sanders is that dude. Um, talking about Florida in game one, you know, they did throw Brandon Sprout, who's going to be the starting pitcher, um, tomorrow night. So he pitched five and two thirds innings, gave up four hits, four runs, and struck out eight on 103 pitches. They had a combination of bullpen guys that finished the game. Philip Abner, you are going to see Philip Abner this weekend. You are going to see Nick Farcato this weekend, and you're probably going to see Tyler Nesbitt as well. They combined for one inning while giving up nine runs on four hits and six walks on 74 pitches. So, you know, when we talk about game one, Gamecocks went 13-3. to I mean, yeah, it was the Gamecocks night. No Florida pitcher had a good night that, that evening. But Gamecocks are familiar with Florida. Florida is somewhat familiar with the Gamecocks. You know, game two, Gamecocks won 5-2. Jack Mahoney went five innings, gave up five hits, two runs, three walks, struck out three on 91 pitches. Eli Jones and Chris Beach combined for four innings. They gave up three hits, one walk, zero runs on 60 pitches. Florida started Hurston Waldrop, who's going to start Saturday night for the Gators. He went six innings, gave up six hits, five runs, three walks, and 10 strikeouts on a 112-pitch effort. Um, in relief, Florida threw Cleet Harzog and Blake Purnell. They combined for two innings, gave up zero hits, zero runs, three walks, two strikeouts, and they pitched 38 balls. So again, I mean, things are lining up very similarly for what the Gamecocks experienced in Founders Park and the same thing for the Gators. Um, so we're going to be familiar with their bats. They're going to be familiar with our arms and vice versa. Uh, game three, the Gamecocks won 7-5. South Carolina started Matthew Becker. He went five innings, gave up two hits, two runs on six strikeouts on 74 pitches. And James Hicks and Chris Veach combined for four innings in relief, giving up three hits, three runs, two walks, one strikeout on 69 pitches. And I apologize here, but I did not put the Florida notes here on pitching. So it will be a wild card on game three. You know, maybe somebody can go in and tell me, tell me what I'm missing here with Florida um, on game three back in April. But I say this to say, you know, the Gamecocks didn't have, I believe they didn't have Will McGillis. I don't think they had Gavin Casas. Casas, I don't, they, I don't know if Noah Hall was there. I doubt it because, I mean, he would have pitched. So Noah Hall was injured. So the Gamecocks are actually at a little bit a little bit more more better strength. Is that is that how you say that? More better? Um, I don't think so. But the Gamecocks have, have more players back for this series that, you know, Florida hasn't seen. So when you consider all of that, I think 
<laughs> I keep going back to this, guys. I think the Gamecocks have a pretty good chance. You're looking at the, the the regionals for Florida, um, I have some of the I have some similar statistics here. I mean, Florida A and M Gators won three nothing. Jack Caligone went six innings, ninety five pitches. Ryan Slater and Brandon Neely combined for three innings on twenty five pitches, giving up three hits, zero runs, striking out zero, and giving up zero walks. Um, I want to make note of this because Brandon Neely did not play against the Gamecocks back in April, so that's going to be an arm we haven't seen yet. And he's a he's a pretty good arm. Um, really quick, Florida lost game two to the Texas Tech Red Raiders five to four. Brandon Sproat started the game, six innings on ninety nine pitches. Um, you know, had a pretty decent day. Philip Abner, Ryan Slater had a good day as well. Game three. You know, all the pitchers that we've talked about is the pitchers you're going to see for the Gators this this weekend. Um, they they took care of business in game three, game four, and game five. Gators got out of the regional, obviously, because, you know, we're going to be playing them tomorrow. Uh, really quickly, when recapping the South Carolina regional, I did a very in-depth recap um, last podcast, last episode. So I don't want to go into too much detail here, um, but I'm just going to say the Gamecocks – if they show up like they did in the regional, they're going to be a, they're going to be a big time problem for Florida. A quick shout out to JC, JB, and Phil. They did have Coach Kingston on their show. I believe it was it was earlier in the week. I don't know if it was Tuesday or Wednesday, but they had Coach Kingston on, and you know it, it was a really good interview. If you missed it, I think you should definitely go back and, and try and catch that before the game the game um, has its first pitch tomorrow. But, you know, some quotes here from Mark Kingston. You know, he said, everything that we wanted to happen happened last weekend in Columbia. You know, he was very happy with how they pitched. He was happy that the bats came alive. Um, he was happy with the health of the team. You know, he was very pleased that his team did everything at an extremely high level and just said it's great when a plan comes together. We talk all the time on Gamecock message boards, you know, at the water cooler, at the office, you know, in your – in your group chats with your Gamecock friends, you know, a lot of people doubted Coach Kingston and the way he attacked the middle to the end of the regular season. Now, if you listen to Coach Kingston on on the show with, like I said, JC, JB, and Phil, he talked about him and Monty Lee having a plan and that this all fit the plan. The plan was to get healthy. Um, you know, for whether you believed him or not, and, you know, I certainly had my doubts during the tail end of that, that stretch of the season. You know, I didn't know if we were going to host. Coach Kingston was very confident we were going to host. And could we, if we didn't have the injuries, could we be hosting a super regional? Yeah, most likely. But, you know, circled the wagons and they said they had a plan. The game, the, the guys were loose in the dugout because of that plan. And, and because the players were loose, the coaches were loose. You know, a lot of times, you know, coaches need to show that leadership to keep their team in the right mindset. But I, I do believe that, you know, having a plan, sticking to the plan, allowed both the coaches and the players to feed off each other last week in that regional. So, you know, Coach Kingston talked about a major part of the plan coming together was the return of Will McGillis. You know, Will had missed a lot of the season, but he came back in a big way. He was, a you know, on the all-tournament all team in the Columbia Regional. And I, I just can't overstate, you know, Will McGillis is not your typical leadoff hitter. But what Will McGillis does is get on base. And when you get on base, for a guy like Evan Petrie, or Ethan Petrie, I'm sorry, when you get it on base for a guy like Ethan Petrie, you know, more often than not, he's going to drive that leadoff, that leadoff um, hitter home. So it's very important for Will McGillis to be back in this lineup because it gives the Gamecocks more run scoring opportunities. So when you look at the health of the, of the team and, and getting Will McGillis back, I mean, it really can't be overstated enough how important he is to the team. I did love one of the analogies that Coach Kingston said. You see that, you know, it's like you have your new car back. You know, you buy a car, the transmission goes out, it goes to the shop, or, you know, some things happen to it, and, you know, you get that new car back, and it's fixed, and it feels like it's running the way it used to. That's what the Gamecocks are doing right now. Um, Coach Kingston did say that, you know, Florida Gators are a different team. We're a different team. At the end of the day, you know, it's going to be who's playing the better baseball this weekend, and I can't agree with him more. It's going to be the little things in this, this Super Regional that, that make the biggest impact in who wins and loses. Um, you know, one of the big takeaways he had on the, he, he shared was that, you know, the pitching staff, it's all hands on deck. Obviously, Will Sanders is, 
typically a starter for our Gamecock baseball team, but he could come out of the bullpen. He could he could start a game three, depending on how much work he does. He he gets in. Um, I, I personally believe that he's probably going to be a bullpen guy this weekend. I think that if the Gamecocks get to Omaha, you might see him slide back in this in that starting role, but. You know, coming off the injury that he came off of and, you know, the time away from throwing and the time away of, you know, that mentality of, of getting 100 pitches in a game, six, seven innings in a game, I think that he's best suited to continue to get his feet wet, you know, coming out of the bullpen. But Will Sanders coming out of the bullpen, throwing what he threw in the in the Columbia Regional, good luck because he's a, he's a gator killer. He's going to attack them. They're going to try and knock everything out of – Knock, it, knock everything he throws at them out of the park. And I think that Will Sanders has a mindset advantage over the Gators, like I mentioned earlier. Um, let's talk quickly about players to watch. So, you know, you guys are Gamecocks. I don't have to go through every single batter that the Gamecocks are going to throw up there against Florida. But, you know, just some high-level stuff here. Ethan Petrie, you know, he's hitting 374, 32 extra base hits, 75, 75 ribbies. Um you know, he's he's only walked 32 times on the year against 58 strikeouts, but he, he is just such a massive difference maker in the middle of that Gamecock lineup that I think that, you know, he has to be highlighted as a star. Same thing with Cole Messina. Um, you know, what's great about Cole is, you know, he has 39 walks versus 46 strikeouts. He's got 17 homers, 65 RBIs, batting 313. Ethan Petri and Cole Messina, you, it, it doesn't get much better than those two guys for the Gamecocks. Braylon Wimmer. Look, I know Braylon can be kind of hit or miss, but what he is doing in the field right now, um, he has just completely transformed himself into an SEC shortstop. That you know, he might be he might be a shortstop in Major League Baseball after this season. So happy for Braylon. You know, he's hit or miss, but he seems to come up with some some clutch home runs sometimes that you're just like, where did that come from? And he knocks it out of the park. He's got 14 of those this year. So excited for him. You know, Gavin, a super clutch kid. You know, only batting 262, but, you know, he's got those 19 home runs. So you, you don't mind Gavin in there when he can put one, you know, over the left field wall anytime he wants to, or or at least tries to. Um, Talmadge LaCroix is playing well, you know, 300 average, um, 42 ribbies, um, 30 walks versus 43 strikeouts. You know, nothing wrong with Talmadge in there. And, and Will McGillis, we talked about, you know, I love this kid. He's batting 300. He's got 12 home runs. I don't think people realize that Will McGillis has 12 home runs with all the games that he's missed. But, um, you know, 19 walks versus 19 strikeouts. That's why Will McGillis is batting leadoff. The 19 walks versus 19 strikeouts, 12 home runs, batting 300. Yeah, that makes perfect sense when you think about it. Florida, I mean, okay, what, what else are you going to say about Wyatt Langford? You know, He's going to be a top three pick in the Major League Baseball draft. He he might slip to the top five, but he he will hear his name called very quickly when when that day comes. He's batting three eighty seven. I mean, you're talking about forty five extra base hits, eighteen home runs, forty eight RBIs, and you know fifty fifty walks versus thirty eight strikeouts. Like this kid puts the ball in play and he hits it hard. You know, you got to hope that he's not finding the gaps. You got to hope that you know if it goes out. If it goes out of the outfield that it doesn't go over the fence, you might be hoping for some wind. I know that in the in the regional in Gainesville this past weekend, where where Florida Stadium, you know, it, it typically can be a home run ballpark. So balls can fly out of out of Gainesville, but the wind was pushing in, and the Gators probably got robbed of five or, five or six home runs over that regional where the ball just died in the air. So Wyatt's, Wyatt Langford is going to hit the ball hard. Let's hope that it ends up in a Gamecock mitt, either at first base or or in the outfield. <laughs> let's let's see. Um, Josh Josh Riviera Rivera, um, he's a shortstop, batting three fifty seven, um, sixteen home runs. You know, sixty five RBIs, walk strikeout forty three versus forty three walks versus twenty five strikeouts. Um, he's actually their leading base dealer. I, I think he stole. I think he stole like eleven or no. I think he stole like fifteen or sixteen bags this year. Um, Jack Caglione. Um, I know that. I, I think some people call him, you know, the the version of Otani. You know, up in the in the major leagues, he's got thirty one home runs. He he pitches and he bats for them. Thirty one homers leads the nation. He's a finalist for the Golden Spikes Award. But the one thing that I have heard about Jack is that you can pitch around him. 
you know, he will swing at stuff off the plate. He's a very aggressive hitter. And, you know, if you give him something that he can barrel up, yeah, it's probably going over the fence. But I don't want to jinx the Gamecocks here, but, you know, just be very, very careful with him in the, in the batter's box. But, you know, a lot of people say you can work around him. Cade Curlin, batting average 300. And he's got 16 home runs. You look at the top five batters for Florida, I think they've combined for like 86 or 92 home runs. I mean, it's a ridiculous number. And it, it helps when you have a third of them coming from one player. But in the top five of their lineup, you know, they do hit a lot of home runs. And they have another player, kind of like Will McGillis for us, that has double-digit home runs as well. Um, you know, looking at their catcher, BT Riopelle, Riopelle, Riopelle? I don't know. Um, batting average of 252, you know, He's got he's got 15 home runs, but he he will he will get out. I mean, the 252 average, you know, he's a heck of a of a defensive catcher, but you know, 252 you can work with that. And then Colby Halter, you know, batting 238. So there, the, I, I do know that the Florida Gators, you know, the bottom of their lineup is kind of in a mini slump. So the last couple of weeks of the season, SEC tournament, you know, they were actually hurting in the bottom of their lineup. I, I think that they kind of got a little bit better in the regional. So we'll see if that carries over, but they're going to be facing some elite pitchers from the Gamecocks. So I do think that, you know, if you can get through that top five, top five of the order, you know, trying, you know, minimize your pitch count, obviously, you know, we all know that you want to have between, you know, somewhere in that 15 ish range of pitches per inning. But if you can, if you can maintain, you know, that low pitch count, I think that you can get these guys in the bottom half of their order. Impact pitchers for both teams. You know, we talked about James Hicks, um, he's going to be the starter. He's been just a marvel these past couple of weeks. He's thrown 62 and a third innings, ERA of 332. Um, you got you to be impressed by his strikeout-to-walk ratio. 54 strikeouts versus only 14 walks. And, you know, he's got a whip of 1.07, which is, you know, borderline elite numbers. You know, anytime you get under one on a whip, uh, you know you're doing a, a pretty good job there. I think you consider .3 to be the average on whip. And so, you know, whip is, you know, the hits and the walks. So um, you got James Hicks has 53 hits and 14 walks on the season in 62.1 innings pitch. So you, it's a 1.07 whip. Just for the folks that don't understand whip, I know sometimes baseball lingo gets kind of confusing. But it's just hits plus walks divided by innings pitch. That's how you get a whip. Um, Jack Mahoney, he's thrown the most innings on the team. He's going to be the Saturday starter, 80 innings, ERA of 4.05, win-loss record of 7-3. Um, I don't think I mentioned James Six. James is eight and one on the season, by the way. Um, Jack Mahoney strikeout to walk ratio is very impressive. Eighty strikeouts versus twenty five walks. He's got a whip of one point three four, so you know it's kind of average. He's not hurting us, but you know I think the Jack can can really rare back this weekend. I think he's going to throw a gem. Um, he is a very good pitcher against aggressive hitters. Uh, Chris Veach, what can you say about him? You know, I think he's, if, if the Gamecocks win, I had a friend reach out to me day after, you know, the podcast and all the news came out and he said that his prediction is Chris Veach is going to get the save to send the Gamecocks to Omaha. So let's hope that happens. But you're going to see Nick Proctor, Eli Jones, Kate Alston, Matthew Becker. And the, the X factor here for me is Will Sanders. I've, I've talked about him earlier. I'm not going to just belabor this point, but Will Sanders is the X factor here. So I'm really excited to see what Will can do. I, I really want him to have, that that Gamecock send off that you know puts him in the legend books, and I think that he can do it. I mean, I love a Cinderella story, and although Will is not a Cinderella story, you know, from where he was earlier in the season to where I think he can end his season, it would just be a great story to tell, and I'd love to be a part of telling that story. For Florida, you know, you got Brandon Sprout. Sprout, <laughs> he's thrown the most innings at ninety. Um, ERA of 4.7, whip of 1.17. Opponents are hitting 204 against him. Uh, seven and three record, and he has 113 strikes, strikeouts to 38 walks. Just an incredibly impressive starting rotation for the Gators. Um, you get to Hurston Waldrop, thrown you know 85.1 innings, so you know not that far off far off from Brandon. ERA of 4.54, whip of 1.37. Um, Strikeout-to-walk ratio, 129 strikeouts to 46 walks. 8-3 and three record on the year. These guys are power arms that are going to come after you. And you know, anytime you have two starting pitchers with over 100, over 110-plus strikeouts on the season, 
you know, your batters have got to be ready. Um, so that that's probably going to be one of the stories to tell. You know, will the Gamecocks be able to stand up to Florida pitching? And they did it in game in games one, two, and three um, earlier this season. So I think there's a lot of a lot of reasons to be confident there. Um, we talked about their two way guy Jack Caglanone. Caglanone um, pitched 69 innings over 16 games, 3.7 ERA, 1.38 WHIP. But batters are hitting 184 against him. That that's impressive. Uh, 184 batter batting average against. Wow. Um, record of seven and three strikeouts to walks. You know, not as stellar as you know Hurston and Brandon there, but you know, strikeout to walk walk ratio is 81 to 49. Um, Ryan Slater's a guy that's pitched a lot of innings for him. 50 plus innings, 56 plus innings in 24 games. 3.51 ERA. Batters are hitting 230 against him. He's got a win loss record of 10 and one. Um, only 17 walks in 56 innings for him. So that, that's pretty impressive. Um, Brandon Neely, we talked about him. We haven't seen him this year, but he has pitched 44 plus innings over 28 games for the Gators. ERA of 3.68, a nice whip of 1.28, you know, a little bit better than average and batters are hitting 237 against him. But he's another guy that over 44 and two thirds innings, he's only given up 17 walks. Walks are what killed the Gators in Columbia. The, the Gamecocks have got to be patient in the batter's box. I know it kills all of us to watch them watch watch strike three go, go across the plate, or you know, especially how the umpires have been this year, especially in the NCAA tournament. I don't know what the umpires are looking at. So the Gamecocks are going to have to be very are going to have to adapt to how the how the umpires calling the game behind the plate. But I, I urge you guys not to rush to judgment if you see a couple strikeouts to begin the game. You know, Florida is going to strike strike the Gamecocks out ten plus times. It's just going to happen. You know, there's probably going to be a strikeout strikeout an inning, but the Gamecocks are going to get base runners. I firmly believe it, just because of you know how Florida attacks you. I know that what I just said doesn't make sense if you listen to that, but you know, for some reason, Florida. I, I believe they piled up a lot of these stats against inferior competition. Um, you know, they have given up walks, and that's been an issue for them. Walks and, and being batters has been an issue for them all season long. So let's talk a little bit about factors influencing this series. Um, home field advantage is big. Um, it's big in an NCAA tournament format. It's why hosting a regional is so important. It's why hosting a super regional is so important. But I wanted to specifically specifically look at Florida over the past few years at home in the NCAA tournament. So in 2022, the Gators were eliminated in regional play in Gainesville by Oklahoma. So didn't get out, get out of their own regional last year. In 2021, they were eliminated in their own regional in two games. So, you know, everyone likes to talk about the Gamecocks going two and barbecue out in Hoover. The Gators did that in 2021, didn't even get out of their own regional. Um, you know, there were some issues there with 2020, 2019, but, um, in 2018, I say issues, you know, we had the COVID year where it was canceled and I, and I don't think that they had a, a home regional that other year, but in 2018, they won their super regional at home against Auburn. And in 2017, they won their super regional against Wake Forest. So you talk about recent history and, and the Florida team, this Florida Gator team, you know, they have felt the sting of losing at home. So I do think that they're going to be motivated to get back to Omaha. It doesn't feel good losing in your own regional. It doesn't feel good losing in your own super regional. Um, yeah, I still remember Louisiana Lafayette a number of years ago, probably the best Gamecock baseball team that we have ever had. And Louisiana Lafayette, you know, robbed our guys of going to Omaha. So the sting of losing at home hurts, and Florida's going to be very motivated to not lose at home in front of their fans for a third straight year, missing out on Omaha. Um, South Carolina, you know, we haven't had a lot of <laughs> haven't had a lot of success recently in the tournament. It's kind of been a down down couple of years for us. But in 2021, you know, we were eliminated in our own regional. It was a regional that, if memory serves, like we were the two seed in our own regional, and you know, we, we didn't get out of it. Um, in 2018, we were eliminated at Arkansas in the Super Regional, two games to one. And in 2016, we were eliminated in our own Super Regional by Oklahoma State, two games to zero. So I, I go back to my, my point a little bit earlier. 
this Gamecock team really has not experienced NCAA postseason failure. Um, There are a lot of fresh faces on this team between freshmen and transfers. This isn't your old Gamecock team. It's not your Chad Holbrook Gamecock team. It's not even your Mark Kingston team from a number of years ago. This is a fresh Gamecock team that Coach Kingston built to be good enough to win the national championship. So remember that when you think about this super regional, remember that when you get excited for it. And, you know, I, I encourage everybody to get really excited for it because it's time now for my series prediction. And, you know, I'm excited and, you know, I, I, I'm trying not to pick with my heart, but I do think that the Gamecocks might be getting back to a team of destiny. Um, you go back to the three straight Omaha trips the two national championships and battle, you know, win anyway. Um, I think that these guys have that mentality. I think that they are excited to be as close to full strength as they've been in a couple months. I think that the lineup complements lineup complements all the other players in that Gamecock dugout. You know, when you go with that batter's lineup, you know, there is Will McGillis, you know, separate, it really is a difference maker, but then, you know, getting those base runners for Petri, you know, even at the bottom of our lineup, you know, there is we, our guys still have great on base percentage. So we're going to get runners on base this weekend. I I think it's going to be tough because we're in Gainesville. That that's just the bottom line. I think that when you have two evenly matched teams, you probably have a better hitting team in Florida. You know, I think a lot has to go go the Gamecocks' way to to get out of this regional. So. You know, when I weigh all of that together, and I have to, um, that's part of my job right now. I, you know, I can be a fan all I want. I can hope the Gamecocks win all I want, but it's going to come down to game one. I believe that the winner of game one is going to win the Super Regional. Okay, now you say, Matt, well, duh, if you only have to win one out of the next two, yeah, winning game one is a huge advantage. It is a huge advantage in the sense of, having to win one more to go to Omaha. But it's also a big advantage for South Carolina. If South Carolina can win game one, they know that they are back to full strength. They know that any doubts they had in their mind before before the SEC tournament, before the regional started, um, they came out hot in the regional. They felt great. So... I think it's going to be tightly contested. I don't think that we're going to see any blowouts on either side. I think that in game one, I think that James Hicks is just pitching on another level right now. And I think that Will Sanders will come in out of the bullpen um, to close that game out if it's close. And if it's, you know, if, if the Gamecocks are winning and it's, you know, five to three in the seventh inning, I think you're going to see Will Sanders run out of the bullpen. And I think that in a in a situation where he only has to get through, you know, two three innings, I think that you're going to see the Gamecocks win game one. I think they're going to score enough runs. I think there's a little bit of pressure on Florida right now. I think that there is a mental edge for the Gamecocks having swept Florida. I think there's a a monkey on Florida's back because they haven't got out of their own regional in two years. It's a lot of pressure. So I'm picking Gamecocks to win game one. I think that the Gators bounce back in game two. I think we're going to have a a winner-take-all scenario in game three. And that's where it gets scary. That's where it gets really, really scary. I think that Florida probably has a little bit more pitching depth than the Gamecocks. Now, does that mean that the Gators are going to run away with game three? I don't think so. I just don't. I think that there was some some taxation on the Florida Gators' arms, you know, having to play five games in three days or four days, whatever it ended up being, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Yeah, five games in four days. I think that Gamecocks are a little bit more rested. I think Gamecocks are feeling good. Like I said, I know they're feeling good. I've heard that directly, and I haven't heard that at some points during the season. So I know that Gamecocks are feeling good. I'm going to go Gamecocks squeak it out, battle, win anyway. Gamecocks are going to Omaha. Go ahead and book your tickets. 
book your flight, book your hotel if you haven't already. But enjoy this one, Gamecocks, because it's going to be a heck of a lot of fun, and I'm so excited to be able to share in this moment with you. Um, guys, we're at 50 minutes. I did not have time for Q&A. Um, go ahead and, and shoot me any questions you have, like we, like I said at the beginning of this episode. Um you can reach me on the Big Spur if you are a member there. If you're not a member of the Big Spur, I highly recommend you join. We're talking about $9.99 per month, and you get access to read every single college sports message board that's out there. Every team. You want to read about Georgia before the Georgia game? You can you can do that on the Big Spur. You know, If you want to read about a certain basketball team, you can, you know. I know a lot of people that are live in South Carolina, but pull for North Carolina basketball. Guess what? You can go read North Carolina's message board if you want to. But the, the the camaraderie that's on the Big Spur is so much fun. You really will feel like you're part of a community. So if you have not pulled the trigger on a Big Spur membership, go ahead and do it. It's the best $9.99 you're going to spend per month. And you'll get to have conversations with not just me, but Tony Morell, J.C. Sherbert, Helma Granahan, John Whittle, Alex Jones, you know, the list goes on and on, and that's just the folks that kind of run the site. When you when you look at you know the individuals there that post inside information, you're not going to find a better combination of inside information from the Big Spur and then the message board posters who aren't even part of staff. It's a it's a great place. So go to the Big Spur. You can find me there. You know, just look for Matt Anderson. Um, I'm there, and then you can get at, you get in touch with me at my email, late night gamecock show at gmail.com. Again, that's late night gamecock show at gmail.com. I always look forward to the interaction with all of you, and I'm really excited for what we're going to do here on this show and the memories we're going to make. So, with all that said, this is Matt signing off for the night. Have a great rest of the night, and I will talk to you on Monday. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24 7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.